Why, yes, hello. We have the laughing afraid to start out this episode of the Show Not Podcast this week. Yeah. Oh, well, that's... You can't even tell when it's started. A funny little... <laughs> Eric's going to have fun yes, when he yes, uh, actually gets around to editing this. Yes, indeed. Hopefully, Eric has a wonderful night. He had to take today off for some other stuff outside of us. And today, we have a whopping four events to cover that are easily, like... 40 plus players they're pretty big and one of them flying a monkey but i think we have a couple of more fun things to talk about they're space marine shapes <laughs> not subtle in the slightest are you <laughs> no 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 i am dreading space marines because i find space marines boring except for imperial fists which are boring but anyway because they're boring Hey, man, I'm a man that lives in contradictories. <laughs> yeah. So we will jump back about a week. So the article that came out on the 18th talks about the first handful of detachment buffs and stuff like that for the Space Marine Codex. And also a couple of enhancements, stratagem or two, you know, the normal spoilers. So the first handful of it is the extremist level threat detachment, which I'm assuming is meant for like first company. So terminators and all that wonderful jazz. And this one kind of lines up with the rumors that everyone has been hearing about online about the change to oath of moment. Cause once per battle round in your command phase, you can use this ability if you do until the start of your next command phase. Each time a model from your army with the Oath of Moment ability makes an attack that targets your Oath of Moment target, you can re-roll the wound as well. Yep. Oath of Moment no longer allows the re-roll of wound. Yep. So no fishing for devastating wounds because, yeah, that would have been silly with that change. <laughs> yep. And then the other... The other things that they showed off from the, as it's called, the first company task force detachment is the Iron Resolve. So it gives your Terminator character a five up feel no pain. And once per battle, it can give the unit he's attached to a five up feel no pain. So they're clearly defining a the model versus the unit. Because I know with the Tyranids Codex, people were confused. Like, how do you get warriors with the Vanguard Invader keyword? Well, they share the keyword from the Prime if the Prime's attached to them, which means they also can fly. Which, depending on the army you're going up against, that's not always a great idea. No, no, it's not. But in this case, it's a... It's a turnaround on the how the buffing of units works. Because I know currently it's at least the characters get the buff of the unit they're attached to. So like Custodian Guard, for instance, get to reroll ones to wound. Well, that now also that would apply to the captain that's attached to that unit, even though he does not normally get to reroll ones to wound. Mm-hmm. But he has no other buffs outside of his guitar stuff. The strat that they showed off is legendary fortitude 
it's done in the charge phase at the end of a charge and you pick either terminators blade guard stern guard or vanguard veterans and it's minus one damage for one cp yep specifically that target so it seems like this is very much centered around you can play whatever you want in this but everything or at least a lot of the stuff is going to benefit those specific units within that army detachment mm -hmm. yeah it's the same kind of mentality that came up with the tyranids detachments where yeah vanguard invader you get to play all of the sneaky super fast bugs like gene stealers and leapers and lictors to the maximum potential but you can still bring a norn emissary you can still bring exocrines they just don't get access to the stratagems or the buffs that the detachment gives out right so at this point it's the other one is the firestorm Assault Force, so yay, Salamanders. Say, give, I'll give you three guesses on what this has to do with. I believe it is called Flamers, Melta, and Punching Things. <laughs> no, I am actually incorrect on that instance. So, the detachment rule is in fact close range eradication. So, ranged weapons for Marines that have um, they gain the assault keyword. And then each time they make an attack roll within 12 inches, you get plus one strength with your ranged weapons. So now instead of strength four flamers on your flamer aggressors, now you have strength five. Yeah, and I think it's interesting. It, you know, this says all, it says all ranged weapons get assault. So yep. you got models that have heavy weapons. Well, now they're also assault. You got rapid fire they're also assault yep that also means as the example they show off hmm your eradicators hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and then the the enhancement that they show off is called the warp tempered artifice it is a pretty straightforward thing of you give it to an infantry unit and it gets plus three strength to its melee weapons. So now you're swinging at like strength six, no, not strength six, strength seven, or even maybe even strength eight with like a power sword. Yeah, potentially strength eight. Um, anything that would normally be strength eight is now strength 11. Mm -hmm. So it lets you punch up. Yeah which can be incredibly handy because then you don't feel as bad throwing stuff like Vanguard Veterans or Jump Intercessors with a with a um, Jump Captain in there because that Captain can at least punch the punch the chassis and then you swing with the unit to hopefully chip off the last couple of Well, moves. and we don't know if uh, necessarily if that Jump Captain is going to have a Thunderhammer capability. If it does, well, well, from what they actually showed off in the next article, um, the Jump Captain has access to a Power Fist Chainsword and a Power Sword, I think. Well, they show us three options. That doesn't necessarily mean that's going to be all of them. 
Um, I, mm-hmm. I would hold off judgment on whether it's going to have it or not. I'd just wait and see um, Saturday because, generally speaking, one or more of the pictures is going to be the sprues. And, yeah, that'll say mm-hmm. all. Yep. The, the other thing that they point out in the spoiler article is, in fact, Space Marines are special. They are the only army that across every single detachment shares a stratagem, and that's in fact Armor of Contempt. Right. So now the Armor of Contempt stratagem is in every single Space Marine detachment, regardless of the circumstances. So that means your Blood Angels are going to get it, your Dark Angels are going to get it, um... Imperial Fists, Iron Hands, Black Templars, whatever you play, you're going to have access to minus one EP. Okay. I mean, it's not the craziest thing, especially with, you know, some instances of things that had AP going down to zero AP or all that. Yeah, don't even get me started on the craziness of Salamander Aggressors going, oh yeah, I get a five-up save against your Salvo Launchers in ninth edition. Wait, why? <laughs> Because I have cover and I reduce your AP by one. Anyway, so speaking of previews, rewind to exactly today. And the Space Marine Codex is going to be going up for pre-order this week. And this is where they show off the Jump Captain, the new Terminator Chaplain, the Company Heroes, the separate Terminator box... The jump intercessors, the vanguard, the stern guard vets, the all-in-one lieutenant kit. Megastus, yeah. So many pits. Yeah, so many pits. So many. <laughs> and then the Brutalis Dread, the Desolation Marines, and then the new combat patrol, which is just the Leviathan box, minus the Dreadnought. It also doesn't have five um Infernus Marines. No, it has the Infernus Marines in there. The the Leviathan came with 10. Ah, that makes a lot of sense. So yes, it's five Terminators, five Infernus, Librarian, and Captain. Yeah, there's also no um, Biologists either. Ah, yes, that's true. And this is another thing that's important for all of us event goers. It's the re-release of the Leviathan mission deck. So if you guys caught it on the first run of the Leviathan decks that weren't in the edition starter box, there was some misprints, I guess. Yeah. I think it was really just the, like the back of one card wasn't right. You know how each, uh, depend, yeah. uh, each, um, different grouping of cards has its own backing. Well, one of the tactical objectives had the wrong back to it, which I mean, if you, like yeah, sleeves it, that have it was, opaque backs, it's not a big deal, but otherwise, kind of a dead giveaway. Yeah, it, it, it was like one mission rule, one deployment zone. Like it was something like one of each card got messed up or something, except for the attacker and defender decks or something. Okay. But either way, it was just a, well, this is a, <laughs> whoops, the daisies, that's not easily fixable. Yeah. But on top of that, 
not much in the way of 40k. It's going to be a big weekend of 40k, though, because of the fact that Space Marines and Tyranids are now out in the wild with their codexes. And Tyranids have already been spooking up a storm with the strange things that people can do with them. Space Marines are now going to get a whole bunch of new flavors with how to build things, what to play. And we're not going to know exactly what people are going to bring, except for the playtesters who already kind of know everything, I guess. Yeah, certainly <laughs> the people who got a codex early and also have the army are going to have a bit of a leg up when it comes to what to play. Yes, and that leg that leg up is probably the size of a dreadnought. But... <laughs> so... As much as we like the fun chatter about what's coming out, it's not Custodes related, it's not Drukari related, and it's not whatever army Ray decides to bring that day related. You know, I'm going to say it now, I've been pretty good about sticking to one army since this edition came out. I may not always hobby on the same army, but when it comes to playing games, I have stuck to one, sir. I call fallacy because I haven't seen it, so therefore it does not exist. I also technically have had the best um, record when it comes to win losses than any edition so far. I'm 50 50. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't even look at my win percentage anymore. I'm just like, ooh, roll dice, make noises. All oh, my stuff died, but we had fun. Okay, anyway. So we are going to take this off with kind of the big bugger in the room as i mentioned earlier at the top of the episode the big old flying monkey con the good old return to wichita kansas the end of the lord marshall series and this event was a whopping 147 players lots of people indeed it was lots of people but the placings ended up looking something like this or Ray can talk it because I'm currently <laughs> rambling. All right, uh, we'll start at fifth. In fifth place, we had Howard Watts playing, of all things, Ultramarines. We had uh, Dan Sammons with his Dark Angels in fourth. John Indelicate with Tyranids in third. Cody Giroux in second with Eldari. And in first, Ben Sherwin with Eldari. Yep, so the reason why the rankings kind of read off weird, we're not exactly sure happened to the Death Guard player that came in third place, because on BCP, it's not showing any scores. So we're not sure what happened to him. <laughs> you know, real quick, if you're talking about the app, I think it might be a halfway decent app thing to do after we're done discussing flying monkey maybe just bring up what um announcement was made by bcp earlier in the week yes indeed that did happen so clearly from flying monkey the eldar menace is not gone in the top chunk of players there were two of them but the fact that the other three were two marines and a tyranids is a is a healthy sign so the tyranids list which is the newest one so we get to see how well the new book is performing out in the wild 
was a classic invasion fleet. Now, whether or not they use the old or like just the index or the codex, we don't know. But it looked something kind of like this. It is Death Leaper, Batman the Bug. He is always going to be Batman the Bug. Then we have the Neuro Tyrant, Old One Eye, a Barbatero Duel. All right. A single Biovore, a couple of Carn Effects for Old One Eye to chill in, some Exocrines, Horror Specs, a couple of Norn Emissaries, and a couple of Ripper Swarms. Wow. That is nights if I ever saw it. Somebody went big bugs. Indeed. Which, I mean, at that point, when you think about how the attachments works in tier, in the new Tyranids book, the Crusher Stampede, which is where all the big bugs would be, actually isn't a very good detachment <laughs> compared to the rest of them. So he probably took Invasion Fleet because it just kind of synergized better with his army. Yeah, and I noticed, well... From what very little knowledge we have, the index attachments seem to be very, maybe all comers is the right word. Um, it doesn't just affect certain units. It's a little bit broader in what it, can, what it will affect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's why the Invasion Fleet is still a really, really strong choice because you can give your exocrines like um, lethal hits or something like that. I can't remember if it applies just to infantry or not, but I know you can kind of pick at the start of the game what benefits you want, and the stratagems in there are actually pretty decent. So the, the thing that kind of gets me is the double Norn Emissary. That's a like a 600-point investment in two gigantic bugs that have a four-up invuln and a five-up field no pain because clearly they're each going to pick an objective and sit on it oh, all yeah. game. So, yeah, this is what I'd imagine is kind of a thread overload kind of list where the Norn Emissaries and the Carnifexes run forward because the Carnifexes get to re-roll their hits with um, Old One-Eye in the unit. Yeah, and then the Exocrine can just sit in the back and shoot their cannons. Yeah. I've had one actual game with Tyranids where I got to use both of my Exocrines. Oh, man. They are actually amazing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, congratulations to all of the top performers at Flying Monkey and to Ben Sherwin taking away potentially the Lord Marshall series. I think at that point, I think I should go to Kansas next year. I don't know about you, Ray, but I want to go see a flying monkey. <laughs> I wouldn't mind. Hmm. But yes, as Ray mentioned, there was a fairly big announcement from BCP earlier this week. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, for the most part, anybody who's a t an active TO right now will understand that, well, intimately understand that there have been a lot of issues with the, uh, the the tournament organizer app. And 
honestly, to some small extent, there are some issues that happen with the player app. Uh, to summarize what is uh, what four or five paragraph um, notification or update, uh, they basically explain that they've found themselves in a situation where um, the web as it stands for phones now works better for what they for uh, the purposes of their software than an app does and as such the app has fallen behind on the capabilities and the workload which is why we see it crashing and in some cases crashing for you know days now unlike some other apps they're, they're not just abandoning things they are working on rejuvenating the app in such a way that it will once again be usable it may not be the exact same app they may you know roll out a slightly different app but it will still remain as it was yep and that's an important thing to realize the the way that us as players and us as TOs interact with events is slightly different and hopefully this updating of the apps will suffice in getting events like LVO which is comically known for crashing at round one or round two because everyone wants to look at it, even players who aren't there <laughs> But we are going to hop on down to Texas for Warzone Houston. And that was a total of 129 players. Wow, I think I'm reading these events in the wrong order. <laughs> and here I thought you just wanted to go in descending order. And eh, maybe, I don't know. It just kind of works out that way. <laughs> so Warzone Houston... The top five looks something like this. We have Will Davis with Necrons. In fourth place, we have Johnny Velasquez with Death Guard. In third place, we have George Bobkov with Chaos Space Marines. In second place, we have Robert Moreland with Imperial Guard. And then first place, Colin McDade with Tau? It's kind of an interesting idea. You don't see Tau doing exceedingly well these days. So let's see what he do. Farsight, Shadow Sun. Can they both be in the same? Yeah, anyway. Um, Cold Star Commander, Cold Star Commander. Uh, Broadsides, Broads, uh, Crisis, Crisis, Ghost Kill, Crude Hounds. Two Piranhas, uh, Stealth Battlesuits, Stealth Suits. And two units of Tetras. Yep, so this is a taking advantage of the humongous points drop that Tau had. So now you're not stuck with only bringing one unit of Crisis Suits. So I know Shadow Sun has that I have to be the Warlord kind of deal. And then Commander Farsight is just a special character. So at that point, 
I don't know if Commander Farsight can join anything else besides the battle suit units, but that's something that I can look into later. This is very... I think this version of Tau is probably the version that actually takes advantage of being patient for turn until turn three and only bringing out a single unit on turn two with the commander that has the exemplar of Kalyan. Um, real quick, Farsight can only join Crisis Battlesuits. Ah, okay. So then at that point, Farsight is probably... If Farsight's not in a unit, then he must have stuff like Lone Operative or something. That's my only logical thought. Well, Shadow Sun has Lone Op and Stealth. Um... Farsight's got no. He's just got. He does not have loan up. He's just ah. he's, his abilities are deep strike and leader. Ah, all right. Well, at that point, it's just kind of whatever. But yeah, so the broadsides having a unit of two of them gives you a nice solid shooting base for going up against big things. That isn't. A hammerhead, because hammerheads are impossible to hide. Like those things are super big. Um, the ghost keel is a solid choice. Crew hounds, obviously, for the scout. Piranhas for just zooming around the table. But I know those the most important units in there are the tetras, because the tetras give a humongous boost when they guide a unit of like reroll ones to wound or something. Or reroll hits. Each time this unit is an observer unit until the end of the phase. Each time a model in its guided unit makes an attack that targets their spotted unit, you can reroll the hit roll. Yeah, that's kind of useful. Mm -hmm. And the amount of shots that come out of that crisis suit unit. Golly gee, Willikers, Batman. <laughs> I, I remember playing against Tau twice at Smite Club Open. And... Yeah, there was one turn in round one when I played against them where they shot that entire crisis suit unit at a big knight. And the player themselves was astounded at how many dice they had to roll because they never did the actual math. <laughs> but yes, congratulations to Tao coming in top spot there. And then the first spotting of any boogeyman is seventh place is seventh place with Justin Moore bringing Gene Steeler Cult. Still finishing insanely high with two perfect scores and some pretty high scores there and then losing on a against he lost, uh, against Colin McDade. Yep, so he went undefeated until he ran to Colin. <laughs> so Wow. Okay. Yeah, and then I think the first actual elder that we see is in 14th place of Michael De Hoyos, who went 3 0 and 3. He didn't lose a game, but he won three and he had three draws. That is some magical he record. <laughs> He, he played kind of an out there list. I mean, it's not the kind of list I hear about usually right now. 
Well, I mean, with the with the Eldar changes, I'm not surprised that people are starting to kind of explore things again. He still has the Incarn, Triple Prism, Night Spinner, Scorpion, Shadow Spectre, Shadow Spectres, Warwalkers. Yeah, so he's paying for the sins of how expensive everything is now. <laughs> oh, oh, wait a minute. No, that Scorpion's 410 points. That's a Forge World bottle. <laughs> It's like, no. Yeah, that's a it's, it's a lot of points for one bright lance, one twin scorpion pulsar, and one electista hull. Again, I I don't know what it does. It's Eldar Forge World. I don't touch the stuff. But now we're gonna jump across to the northern side of the U.S. to go up to Washington to go up to the Harbor Heresy. This one was a nice, healthy 40 players. And the top five looked like something like this. Take it away, Ray. At the Harbor. Fifth place. Haha, I caught, I caught him off guard. <laughs> you can't wait. Look at the Scorpion rules. Fifth place, Donald Plummer with Tau. Hmm. Uh, fourth place, Mitchell Pelham with Space Wolves. Third, Nicholas Olson Johnson playing Leagues of Votan. Second, Tanner Hebert playing Chaos. And in first, Lucas Troller <laughs> playing Chaos Knights. So, before the show, I had a chance to look at Lucas's list. This is effectively what you see people playing Chaos Knights with it's like 13 or 14 dogs. But we do get to take a huge advantage of being able to hide behind buildings and we can just ghost walk two dogs a turn. I have a CP. I'm just going to make them walk through walls. They're going to go Kool-Aid man. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, not Kool-Aid man. They're literally just going to destroy the building. There's no Kool-Aid man left. It's just what I picture now, every time. It, it's either that or it, it's not. It's not as funny just imagining them just you know walking through the wall like a ghost. It's funnier when it's Kool Aid Man. Well, no. See, see what they do, Ray, is they go, "Can't touch this." Boo, 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 and the ghost walk through the wall doing an MC Hammer dance, and then they the carnivore charges into everybody, and they have a bad day. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, um, it is good to see more, even more variety coming into the top end of things which Votan coming in third is definitely a little surprising I know their their grudge mechanic I will never call it judgment tokens is always a grudge the grudge mechanic got a pretty healthy change so yeah it went from one unit getting two tokens to at 2000 points four units getting two tokens which, it, I mean, that with a points reduction has meant a lot for them. There has mm-hmm. been a big increase this weekend of people playing Votan, and it's kind of nice to yep. see. It makes me kind of miss the Votan that I started, but I just wasn't feeling after. I just wasn't feeling them after the the big. Hey, we're nerfing you twice within a month. So it's like, 
mm, I don't have the drive to build and paint that army right now because that paint scheme was also going to be really, yeah. really hard. Nerfed twice in 9th edition, nerfed seven times for 10th edition. Yeah. I've still got my army. Um, I mostly don't play it because there's so much unpainted and I'm kind of getting at a point where I just don't want to spend all that time painting models. Now when I've got a couple, you know, two, three armies that are 90% plus painted. So I know you and I have been chatting about the concepts of Chaos Knights and whatnot, Ray. The if you look down, I believe it is at eighth place, the Kim Lores. He actually brought a list that was similar to the idea that you slapped around at me, where it's one big knight, a whole bunch of dogs, and then he had enough space for a couple of Nurgling units. Yeah. Um, I noticed it seems like when it comes to Chaos Ice players they they're all running the same list it's it's basically always when it comes to the war dogs it's six brigands and four carnivores yep i mean i it's it's kind of one of those things where you know if people come across oh it's it's chaos Knights, so these do, these war dogs do this those war dogs do that um what you kind of do is you kind of people who keep doing this kind of set themselves up to where an, a person who's playing will know, okay, I'm weak against these units. I'm going to focus on them. And then, you know, like if you've got an army that's very weak against being attacked by the carnivores, you focus on taking them out and shooting. And then if the brigands aren't a big deal, then okay, you got this. Well, I mean, that's, the basic idea of tactical awareness, right? So it's get rid of what you're weak against, and then you're highly favored to win what you're strong against. Right. I'm just, I'm just making an argument for, you know, there are, you know, unlike Imperial Knights, Chaos Knights have five different war dogs that each have, a, mm-hmm. you know, their own little shtick. Maybe people should consider playing more than just two of the knights yeah there is some there is something to be said though about going hmm i have a knight that can naturally hit on twos oh i'm not arguing yeah i'm not arguing against that, at all. <laughs> that, that is that is great these are the, the everything here hits on twos for what they're specified for rampager mm-hmm. melee twos brigand shooting on twos <laughs> Carnivore, yeah. Carnivores are just mini rampagers, but you know, I th- I think there's something to be said for units like the the stalker, um, the huntsman, mm-hmm. the executioner. Yeah, I've I've not explored very much because of the fact that I like being a nice person and not bringing six brigands, so. And also, I also bring two big knights, so it kind of just goes, hey, hey, I'm here to have fun. Say there are two kinds of Chaos Knights players, the ones who were able to get their hands on War Dog kits and the ones who weren't. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I don't think there's been, as far as length of time goes, I don't think there's been a kit that's been 
consistently as sold out as the War Dogs box. Yeah. I think the Sagittar for Votan is um, consistently behind it because it hasn't been out as long, but it's been kind of similar. Well, I mean, this honestly, we can blame the marketing team. I went, hmm, let's give you a night kit that can build you five different things. Three. <laughs> Remember, the Huntsman and the Executioner well, I mean, are the um, just the. Um, yeah, that's ones. right. They, you still have to buy the. Yeah, that's right. You have to buy the normal one. Yeah, I mean, t- technically, so technically, <laughs> the only difference between a Stalker and the Huntsman, which is the Armager Warglaive, the only difference is, is what you can put on top of it. If you make a Stalker with the the Melta gun and the chains, the, the chain sword, and then put the silver on top, it could technically be either or. Um, it's the mm-hmm. When it gets down to it, it's the Executioner or the Helverin that you absolutely can't make in a Wardog kit. Yeah. But otherwise, I am not buying any more knights. I don't need more Wardogs because I'm happy with my choices. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're going to round off the events tonight with the Rooks 40k Open down in Montana. Wow, we really ended up in the strangest place, huh? We ended up in the Midwest. Yep. But the top five kind of looks something like this. We have James Davis with Eldar. We have Jake Bowman with Eldar. In third place, we have James Walsh with Dark Angels. In second place, we have Jacob O'Neill with Tau. And in first place, we have Troy Oswood with Thousand Sons. That is what I was worried about. What? Thousand Suns being in first? Well, when you put it in perspective of, okay, how devastating wounds works and Thousand Suns can get access to that. I believe they can get access to devastating wounds through their Cabal points. And also they can just say no armor saves in general. So it's like... Um, They can say one unit can't get an armor save that phase. Yeah, but that's the thing that you're shooting everything at. It's going to be knocked over. So it's just me going, okay, if Eldar, Custodes, and Genius Theater Cult fall from the top three spots, what three armies are going to sneak their way into those top three spots now? It's that thought, not that it's actually true. This is just me being a worry wart. See, because <laughs> I'm just like, no! One, one army making it in first place in one event doesn't mean much. <laughs> Uh, not in the grand scheme. Um, yeah, no, I'm just being sour about it. <laughs> so let, let's let's not forget all the points increases they got too. Dow oh, pish posh. Magnus the Red is still only a 440 point model. <laughs> I do. Not see a way to give, no, not not be a stratagem anyway. Devastating wounds. I believe one unit can do it. Um, Again, Ray, it's me 
just harping on Thousand Suns because I've had a bad record in a Thousand Suns. I know it's not the cream of the crop. It's just me being salty. Yeah, I was say, maybe, maybe, maybe you need to start going up against people playing things like Eldari. <laughs> well, I played against Eldar. Like... Just, how, just how not quite as bad Thousand Suns are. Oh, I mean, Eldar... I have played against Enda Eldar. It was over fast enough that it didn't taste anything, so it's kind of whatever. <laughs> oh, it's fine. I, I lost too quick for it to matter. <laughs> exactly. I didn't even know I played the game. <laughs> but yes, looking at Troy's Thousand Suns list, like I mentioned, it's Magnus is, Magnus is still in there because Magnus is a literal monster. He has Armin... The Infernal Master, a normal sorcerer. Infernal Sorcerer, and that was the Sun Sorcerer. Well, yeah, that was the normal sorcerer I mentioned, and then that Exalted Sorcerer. Yes. So it's like I, the same points cost, just different Cabal point benefits, I guess. A um, couple Rubik Marine units. All of them got a good chunk of Flamers and a Soul Reaper Auto Cannon in there. Enlightened, yeah. And then some Forge Fiends and the Changeling, because. I mean, yeah. When you got, when you got 95 not? points left over, why not? Mm-hmm. It's the issue I run into with my custodes all the time. <laughs> okay, okay. Funny moment here. I have to give Ryan um, Freivalds, the guy who came in eighth place, the <laughs> the funniest tagline for teams. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Cause... I was reading that. like, what is going on here? Uh, I'm pretty sure that guy is well known and well laughed at because he's he does seem like a chipper fellow for having a good sense of humor. <laughs> but yes, um, that's kind of it for this last weekend. This was the last weekend of normal Space Marines, given the events this weekend allow the Space Marine book to exist. Otherwise, I spoke too early. You know, jumping the gun as I no, usually I'm, I'm, do. I'm, I'm going to say I th- I'm going to take a wild guess and say that people aren't going to let the Space Marines use their codex until at least the day that it comes out, which is not this coming Saturday the thirtieth, but the next one, which is the seventh. And even then, they'll probably make people wait one more week. Yeah, it's honestly just a. I don't play Marines. The next army that's getting a book is getting, for me at least, is, isn't coming out until spring of next year. Yeah. So I got time. One of my armies is coming out, <laughs> is getting their Codex Winter Necrons. So I'm excited about mm-hmm. that. I did not buy the index cards when they came out because I knew better. I uh, heard some small complaining about how people. Some people bought the co- the uh, index cards, and then in some cases, those cards, some of those cards became useless. And my first thought is, you knew this was going to happen. Well, I mean, it's the it's the thing that always happens, right? It's buyer's remorse. So you you chime in at the start of the hype. You want to make sure you don't miss anything, so you get all of the new stuff and. Like for Space Marines and Tyranids players, 
let alone any balance changes, their codexes were up first. Yep. Half the people could have gone, no, nah, I'm just going to use the app for all my data. I'm not going to buy the cards until the codex comes out because then those are the updated cards. Mm-hmm. But you get people like Imperial Guard or uh, what's another faction that's not going to come out for a while? Da, 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 da. I'm going to guess Sisters. But you get them where it's like, oh yeah, we're not even on the release schedule that they showed off from like Gen Con or whatever. Oh no, Adepticon. Well, right? Oh god. I don't remember anymore. No, it was it was it wasn't Gen Con. It was not Gen Con. Um Either way, the the release schedule that they showed off. Yeah, but that only went to like spring. Like the first and, Yeah, the first quarter each, of next it, year. Like each each season, I'm going to call it season because it's winter, fall. That's what they did as. Um, each season only had two codexes, right? Well, in the springtime, they had Orcs, Tau, and Necron. Or not Necron. Orcs, Tau, and Custodes all coming out in that okay. same part of the year. I mean, so that means that by that point, there'd be seven. There's mm-hmm. 23 fa- There's like 23 or 24 factions at this point. Yeah. So, there are people who, unfortunately, are not going to get their 10th edition codex until not long before we jump to 11th. It's, I think it's an unfortunate fact that we go through these editions so fast. Well, I mean, there's something that can be said where we're, we've been playing Index Hammer for the last couple months now. Codexes are starting to come out at a very rapid pace. So I think maybe GW figured something out with, okay, we can send these off to printers. We can start writing these all together. So that way they're all internally balanced, quote unquote, (laughs) with each other upon release. But we're going to trickle out the release date so that way each army can feel powerful on its own. And then we'll see if we need to relaunch the edition again. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do I do hope that if we move into an 11th edition, it's not a big rewrite, but there's a way to know. Um, and, and we all go back to 7th edition. <laughs> to be fair, I have been joking. I was joking around at the beginning that this was 6.5. So... I laugh at all the things that are just somewhat familiar because they're so much like how things were in 6th edition, but they're still a little different. Um, one of the best examples of that is Twin Linked. That was a rule in 6th edition. It is not mm-hmm. the same rule. If you were to be playing in 6th edition, the rule you'd be playing is called Shred. Now it's Twin Linked. But that doesn't change the fact that it, there's that familiarity, which I think has actually made it, I wouldn't say nostalgic but familiar. Yeah. And also that's definitely something that I can commiserate with teaching newer people. The game is all right. Look at this data sheet. Look at this data sheet. Do you see any code? No, it's does your weapon have this keyword attached to it? Yes, it does this. It's such an easier addition to teach 
at a basic level. And then it's like, you can make it as complicated as you want. You don't have to. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Then you get crazy people like us where we're just, yep, make it as hard as possible because we like knowing all the rules. (laughs) But yeah, otherwise, that's kind of the end of the episode because... Eric is the one that has access to the Rattler Cup standings. And I don't think we've had very many events go on yet where the people that won the events this weekend are on that roster. So I'm pretty sure the person in the top spot is still Ben Jurek with a solid like like three or four, maybe even five events underneath his belt. (laughs) Because the man is on a streak. It is cr- a little crazy. <laughs> yeah, I've, I haven't heard if he's going to stick with Elder a little longer or if he's going to switch out now that um, there's been some changes. Well, the other event that I saw him go to, uh, Charity Hammer, he took Eldar to that one too. I think he just changed around his yeah. list. But, I mean, that's, a, that's not so much a tournament so much as it is, as it's a it's a way to, you know, raise money for charity. Yeah. But, I mean, Ben is a truly skilled player. He can he can read the field as well as anyone else can, like TJ Lanigan or any of the other Art of, Art of War crew. So it's a, yeah. He is going to play either the army that he feels he can win with, which is currently Eldar, or something else, or he will find a way to make the army that he plays hyper-functional. So that way, if he went back to orcs, it's, alright, here's my magical number of 27 knobs and this and that, and then suddenly it's just like, Ben, what are you thinking? I don't know, I'm just running up and hitting stuff. (laughs) Right. But yes, otherwise, there's not much news for us here in Arizona for the competitive things. Our local league is wrapping up here soon. And on the hobby progress stuff, I know I've been a bad reporter. I didn't post it up on the Facebook page. But I do, in fact, have a settled scheme for the Nids Army that I started. Yeah, you need to post that up there. Yeah. Yeah, I do. It's kind of hard to see them, though, because they're all green and black and sneaky and stuff, but that was kind of the goal. <laughs> uh, the first step is finding a halfway decent background that will help you kind of have the model pop. In your case, honestly, best bet you can probably do is put it in front of, like, a white sheet. Maybe even just, like, a good piece well, of paper. Well, the the problem is is I, I understand how the white sheet works with how dark the model is it would actually drown it out because the light would not bounce around properly so it'd be like putting it in front of a black screen getting the lighting to line up to line up properly that would probably make it look better but honestly i'll probably take upload the picture tonight before i actually go to bed at around like 2 a.m but you know otherwise Painting this army is going to be fun. 
I am not excited for the potential green stuffing that I'm going to do on all the big bugs. Yes. Well, it's uh, it's sculpting spikes. Oh, okay. To to come out of their carapace, and then sculpting additional trophy tarps with the things that they just hunted as trophies to layer over their oh, shells. Okay. Yeah. Like I said, I'm not excited to learn how to green stuff sculpt properly. <laughs> Fair enough. But yes, how about you, Ray? Any hobbying on your end, or have you been super busy with your odd anti-work schedule? I did a bit of both. Um, I have a few little touches I have to make up on my Imperial Knights Army, but for the most part, my knights are painted, which is actually really saying something for me. <laughs> um, i got to figure out what the hell I'm going to do as far as their bases go. But as far as the models themselves, the only model that's not painted is my Lancer, and that's because in Arizona, most of the summer, it's too hot to prime your models outside. I mean, you're not wrong. I've done it before, and I kind of use it as a cheat code of, all right, and we're going to primer here, primer there, primer here, primer there. Wait five minutes. Okay, it's dry take inside. <laughs> Yeah, I unfortunately have bad luck when it comes to that. I end up with fuzzy models. Yeah. It, for me, it was on like Necrons and stuff, so I wasn't super concerned about it because it was on the first army that I was ever painting. I knew it was going to look yeah. bad anyway. <laughs> but yes, thank you all for joining us. Be sure to Buy your releases when you can. Have fun rolling your dice. Do not yell at your opponent when they roll seven out of eight sixes on saves. Especially if it's the feel no pains. Yes, you can yell at the dice and be like, oh, come on. But we are all good people. We are all happy wargamers. Let's keep it that way. Thank you all for listening. Bye. Hey, listeners, this is Raymond with the Extreme Honest Podcast here to talk to you about KR cases. If you're like me and you're constantly looking for that better way to store your uh, armies, then look no further than KR cases. That's right. This is the foam company known for their soft blue foam in the cardboard cases. They're a great way to mix and match Whenever you're heading out for that next tournament, you can just swap out those boxes and no need to worry about switching the foam in and out. They're sturdy, the boxes help protect your models, and if you when you order, they come fast, the order is right, and for a better price than the other guy. So go to krcases.com and when you place your order, be sure to mention the Exterminatus Podcast. Is your beer keg boring? Does it not have enough tentacles coming out of it? Does it not taste as funny as you remember because you didn't put a tear in it? Well, the wonderful makers of the Necro Nom 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 
to replace your average pizza, decided to come out with a, another book of the Lovecraft Cock. So they're from reddukegames.com, and it will guide you through 78 different kinds of cocktails to summon a demon, summon a space bug. Who knows? Either way, it's going to be a very, very wonderful time, and we would highly recommend that you try to not ingest too many while at the gaming table, because we don't know exactly what's going to happen when you roll Perils of the Warp or you roll a natural one on your persuasion check if you decide to play in So if you're looking for fanciful drinks, go ahead and grab the Lovecraft Cocktails by the Mad Men at RedDukeGames.com, the makers of the Necro Nom Nom. Are you a gamer that has more bare plastic than you have time to paint? Do paintbrushes spontaneously combust when you hold them? If either of these is true, contact White Crow Studios and get your models painted by a college-trained professional painter. You can contact Bo at whitecrow.commissions at gmail.com and view his previously painted models at White Crow Studios on Facebook.